A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Verbum Domini. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Make haste to deliver me. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. You are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead and guide me. You will free me from the snare they set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O faithful God. But my trust is in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. How great is your goodness, O Lord, which you have in store for those who fear you, and which toward those who take refuge in you, you show in the sight of the children of men.
martyr's crown beneath the cross of the Lord. Dominus Fobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Luco, Gloria Tibi Domine. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verbum Domini. A week ago today, we had the great joy of celebrating the Feast of the Nativity of Our Lady. And today we focus on the sorrows of Our Lady. And this feast dates back to the 12th century, but it was Pope Pius X that decreed that this feast, this memorial now be celebrated on September 15th. And it's very fitting as Our Lady remains close to the cross of the Lord, as yesterday we celebrated the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. And we're reminded by the church on this memorial of that special union that Our Lady shared in the sufferings of her son on the cross. And the words of Jeremiah the prophet in the book of Lamentations can certainly be applied to Mary in regards to the sacrifice of her son on the cross. The Lamentation says from Jeremiah, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there's any sorrow like my sorrow. Mary went through the horrific suffering of witnessing her divine son's violent death. And we can see that her sorrow and anguish are even greater because of her holiness. The more a person loves, the more they identify with the sufferings of those whom they love. And the Catechism teaches us that Mary was associated more intimately than any other person in the mystery of Christ's redemptive suffering. In today's gospel, we heard the prophecy of Simeon that a sword of sorrow would pierce Mary's soul so that the thoughts of many may be revealed. And this is often depicted in images or statues of Our Lady, and you'd see of Our Lady of Sorrows particularly, and you'd see either one sword or even seven swords piercing her heart. And the seven swords symbolize the seven sorrows of Our Lady, which traditionally included the prophecy of Simeon, which of course we just heard in today's gospel, the flight into Egypt to avoid the persecution of King Herod, who sought to kill the divine child, and the loss of the child Jesus in the temple. And then the fourth through the seventh sorrows of Our Lady are all contained in the Stations of the Cross. 
The fourth is Mary meets Jesus on the way of the cross. This is followed by the crucifixion of our Lord. Jesus is then taken down from the cross and is laid in Our Lady's arms. This is portrayed beautifully in that well-known image or statue of the Pieta. And finally, the seventh sorrow is the burial of Jesus. And these seven sorrows, they united Our Lady ever closer to her son. The spiritual writer, Father Adolf Tankery, wrote that when the soldiers strike the body of Christ, it is as if Mary is subjected to every blow. When they pierce his head with thorns, Our Lady feels their sheer penetration. When the same men offer him gall and vinegar, the Blessed Mother tastes all the bitterness. And as they spread his body on the cross, Mary is torn from within. Now the church offers two options for the gospel for this feast today. The one is that we just heard the prophecy of Simeon. The other is from St. John's gospel. And it depicts and it tells about uh, our, our Lady standing at the foot of the cross. And this is reflected further in the sequence that we heard after the responsorial psalm today. We heard some Latin and some English, but it's the stabat mater, which means the mother stood. And that's more significant than we might think at first, that Mary stood at the foot of the cross. It's been noted that at one time Rome was asked, petitioned to start a new feast, to establish a new feast entitled Our Lady of the Swoon, which would bring to mind Our Lady swooning or fainting at the foot of the cross. And I think the purpose of this was to show just the immensity of the suffering that she endured, that how intense that was. But the answer to the petition to this request for the feast came back, no negative. And one cardinal whom Pope Julius consulted about this explained how in St. John's Gospel, Our Lady is described, described as standing at the foot of the cross. He argued, he argued further that if she had fainted, she would not have been able to remain constantly united to Jesus in his suffering. Right? She was constantly there united with him until the very end, until he took his last breath. So we've never seen or depicted Our Lady as having been brought to despair or having somehow been completely crushed at the weight of the cross as she stood beneath her son at the cross. St. John Henry Newman would express that Mary did not grovel in the dust, but she stood upright to receive the blows, the stabs, in which the long passion of her son inflicted upon her at every moment. So our Blessed Mother is not only a loving mother, she's also very strong and she's courageous and is a great example for us. Pope Pius IX contrasted the example of Our Lady with Hagar in the book of Genesis. Remember, Hagar was the servant of Sarah, and Sarah, at one point, when Hagar um, conceived through Abraham, um, she held that over and against Sarah, and that greatly angered and distressed Sarah, and she insisted that Abraham cast Hagar and her son away, to send them away. And we're told in the book of Genesis that, that Abraham sent her off, and at one point they had run out of food, they had run out of water, and they are in danger of death, because especially due to a lack of water. And we're told in the book of Genesis that that's when Hagar cast her son under a bush because she couldn't stand to see his death when their life was being threatened. And so Pope, Pope Pius IX used that and said that just as Hagar 
could not bear to see the death of her son, Our Lady, in contrast, was there to the very end, at the death of her son. So the Pope said further with regard to this, and just basically what he said, I just mentioned right there, Pope Pius IX said, Our Lady did not say, as did the mother of Ishmael, that she had not strength to assist at the death which threatened her son. But as a courageous woman, she ascended the summit of Golgotha. And further, Pope Pius IX said, Mary Most Holy was standing with head raised at the foot of the cross. And while she heard the blasphemies of the soldiers, the ugly jokes of the Pharisees, the insults of the priests, standing, and with her eyes turned to her divine son, she felt her courage redoubling even in the fullness of her sorrows, standing. The sword was piercing the side of the crucified Lord, and she remained a motionless onlooker, not as weaklings who were assisting at the desolating tragedy as if it were an exhibition, but as a woman meditating, suffering, and hoping. At this sight, the words of the aged Simeon came back to her, that that dear child would be a sword of great sorrow, which would pierce her mother's heart. Mary most holy was standing, and she stood firmly at the foot of the cross until the consummation of the great catastrophe. Right? And we know in God's divine providence that that great catastrophe would lead to our salvation, how God brings good even out of the greatest evil, the greatest suffering. So as we continue to celebrate this memorial of Our Lady of Sorrows, and the sorrows that she experienced throughout her life, we ask this very good and loving mother of ours to intercede for us, that we may take up our cross with courage and constancy as she did, and follow her, sons, follow her son through the trials of this life on our way to the unending joy and glory that awaits us in heaven.